All right, Shelton, you ready for this? Let's do it together. Christ is risen. risen Yes, if I say Christ risen, you respond by saying he is risen indeed. Christ is risen. risen Amen. That's the very hope we celebrate this morning. I am Jin, and I serve here as one of the pastors, and it's my great joy to open up the Word of God together this morning. Today, on this Resurrection Sunday, we want to talk about hope. We are hopeful creatures, and we cannot live without hope. We are made to hope when we crave for that. But when you think about hope... We don't really fall into despair. We don't really fall into depression just by the hardships of the current circumstances. But when we realize that there's no hope for the change in the future, when we realize that our future looks just as bleak, just as dark as your present hardship, when we have nothing to look forward to, we realize that and we lose hope. God, how long? Is my life just going to be the same like that? I don't think I can articulate this reality better than the Jewish psychotherapist who lived during the World War II who was imprisoned in a concentration camp during the Holocaust named Viktor Frankl. After the day of liberation came, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. He writes what he has observed to his prison inmates. He realized during his concentration camp time that surprisingly, many of them held on to the hope. Actually, they were more resilient. Why? Because they had this hope of the day of liberation. Everyone was thinking, if only I get the day of liberation, life will be just fine and wonderful. But to many surprise, these resilient prisoners, when the day of liberation came, as good of hope that was, It did not deliver. Many of them fell in depression. And this is what Viktor Frankl says in his book. Whoever was still alive had reason for hope, health, family, happiness, professional abilities, fortune, position in society. All these were things that could be achieved again or restored. But after the day of liberation... We were not prepared for unhappiness. This disillusionment was an experience which these men have found very hard to get over. As great of hope that was for the day of liberation, when he came, Frankel goes on to write that many of them fell in depression and even some committed suicide. Those resilient people made it through concentration camp. When they realized that I have no more anything to look forward to, those day of liberation did not satisfy the deepest longing they had. Perhaps they are longing for the ultimate day of liberation. The very hope that we have. Church, what if I tell you today that there really is unfailing hope? What if I tell you there really is a hope that will satisfy you when you find that hope? Wouldn't you want that? I want that hope. And if Jesus really is who he claims to be, if Jesus really rose from the grave that we celebrate today, then we have this unfailing hope resurrected and restored. 
And today I hope and pray that you find that hope in Christ alone as you get together and as you open up the word of God. I want to especially welcome those of you who may be attending church for the first time, who are here because your dear friends or family member invited you to be here. By the way, I'm not a salesman. I'm not here to twist your arm. But I do pray that you consider the case of resurrection. If Jesus really rose from the dead, if Jesus really is who he claims to be, then you can really put all eggs in one basket. There is that unfailing hope for you. Are you searching for the meaning of life today, that hope? I pray that you find that in Jesus. And honestly, I'm sharing this because I don't think I can live a single day without it. I'm always saying, God, why? Life is so hard. If I believe this is all there is, I don't think I can make through a single day. But I know there is the one day, the ultimate day of liberation. That day is coming. That's what we hold on to on this glorious Resurrection Sunday. So today, we are going to look at the resurrection of Jesus account through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. Let's dive in together. Would you open up the word of God to John chapter 20? John chapter 20, we are going to look at the resurrection of Jesus through the eye of Mary. We will read verse 1 and 2 and then jump down to verse 11 through 18. May the Lord speak to us as you read the word of God together. John chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He, Jesus, asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my, my, my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is God's word. How does the resurrection of Jesus change your hope? Because Jesus has conquered the grave, we have everything to hope in him. Resurrected Jesus changes. Resurrected Jesus overturns death. Resurrected Jesus overturns grief. Resurrected Jesus overturns our life. We will look at those three things today. How resurrection of Jesus changes everything of who we are. 
if Jesus really rose from the dead, then Jesus, resurrected Jesus, overturns death, our fear, our death, our grief, and our life. So let's examine that together. First, resurrected Jesus overturns death. Let us examine the case for resurrection, the reality of resurrection. We see here in verse 1, what does it say? While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went out to the tomb. At the time of the day, it is very unlikely that woman by herself will venture outside of the city while it is still dark. So it is very unlikely that Mary was alone. And when you look at verse 2, what does Mary say here? They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we, plural, don't know where they have put him. So who are the we that Mary was together to go out to look for Jesus? Mark 16, 1, we read that at the beginning, it says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. These are three women who witnessed the resurrection of the Jesus first before anybody else. Why is that significant to us? For two reasons. First, in order to verify that, we must understand the importance of resurrection in Christianity. And second, we must understand the social standing of woman at that time. In order to really understand why this is so significant, the three women witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, anybody else. First, the importance of resurrection in Christianity. Unlike any other religions in the world, unlike Judaism, unlike Hinduism, unlike Muslim, unlike Buddhism, our entire faith hinges upon this one singular event called resurrection. Apart, there are many people crucified at the time of the day. But apart from the resurrection of Jesus, we don't know how to realize that he is God. But if he truly conquered the grave, then we can put really all eggs in one basket that Jesus conquered the death. Yes, there are other religions that believe in resurrection, Judaism. That's why if you go to Jerusalem today, outside of Jerusalem wall, there is the biggest Jewish cemetery at the Mount Olive because one day they all want to rise when God restores all things. But nobody, while they believe the resurrection at the end of the history, nobody believes that there is a resurrection right in the middle of history. This is unheard of. And this is, if you were to make up a propaganda you would probably use a most respectable, notable figure to witness that Jesus is risen. Otherwise, no one would believe that because our entire faith hinges upon this one singular event, resurrection. It is that important. Now, that being said, then gospel writers chose three women. God chose three women to witness the resurrection of Jesus first. Why is this significant? Um, what I'm about to say might sound a little bit misogynistic in 21st century Western hearers, but bear with me for a second. At the time of the day, woman's right was virtually non-existence. Dr. Jahava Glazer is a Jewish professor teaching Jewish history at Biola. This is what she says about first century woman's right in the New Testament time. The social condition of woman in the first century had been radically altered from that of their ancient sister. By the time of Jesus, the role of woman had drastically changed for the worse. Women were not allowed to testify in court. In effect, this categorized them with the Gentiles, minors, deaf, mute, 
and undesirables such as gamblers, the insane. If that's the case, then why? Why in the world would God and gospel writers choose three women to witness this glorious, the greatest event of all time, resurrection? There is no other reason apart that this is really how it happened. If you were to make up a story, you would never choose three women as first witness because women's opinion at the time, what they have seen or heard, were not counted as a valid witness. Unless this is really how it happened, gospel writers have no reason, and God allows three women to witness the greatest miracle of all time. Jesus overturns the value of the society upside down here. And on top of that, on top of that, if you have a hard time believing the resurrection, that this is not just propaganda or a fairy tale that we talk about, but this truly is eyewitness account. When you read 1 Corinthians 5, which is written up approximately 20 years after crucifixion and resurrection, Paul says, resurrected Jesus appeared to more than 500 people at once, most of whom are still living. So 20 years later, Paul is saying, hey, do you really want to know whether Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Talk to these 500 people. And Paul writes out some of the names. They have seen the risen Savior. You cannot possibly fake that. So if you ask me today, some of the children, some of you guys might not know what 9-11 is all about. Ask your parents. We know what happened 20 years ago. I am still alive to tell you, yeah, I've seen that Twin Tower fell. Entire history has been altered as a result. That was just 20 years ago. And Paul is just saying just 20 years ago, Jesus really rose from the dead. And there are 500 people who witnessed that. Ask them. They're still alive. Ask me. I can tell you what happened 20 years ago. You know what happened 20 years ago. So this is the reality, not the just fairy tale or legend that we are talking about, that gospel writers had no reason to choose 301 unless that's really how it happened. And Paul is saying that, yeah, resurrected Jesus appeared to 500 people. And now, if Jesus really rose from the dead, then he overturns death. Now, we no longer have to be afraid of death. Death does not have hold over us anymore. 17th century poet George Herbert once said, Death used to be an executioner, but the gospel makes him just a gardener. There's nothing to be afraid of, church. What are you fearful about? When you put your hope in unfailing hope, resurrect the risen Savior, Jesus, even the greatest enemy of humankind, death, does not have hold over us anymore. Do you have hope in him? Back in 2013, I was pastoring in Dallas. Um, and then I had a dear friend named Julia. Um, she was in her late 70s. We were in the same small group together. And she, she's in mid 80 now. But because we were in the same small group and she was a good friend of mine, I would go over to her place and she would cook me lunch all the time. So I hung out with her place all the time after church and things like that. Now we are celebrating the apex of Lenten season, the Easter. But the beginning of Lenten season is what we call Ash Wednesday, which reminds us the mortality and the brevity of life. So during Ash Wednesday, we normally apply ash in people's forehead, saying, out of dust you are made, out of dust you shall return. So when we apply that, people are usually very somber and reflective of what life is all about. Julia is perfectly healthy. It's still fine. She loves Jesus all her life. 
And I remember when we applied ash in Julia's forehead. It was unlike anybody else. When we applied it, one of the pastors applied, out of ash you are made, Julia, out of dust you shall return. Usually people are quiet, but Julia looked straight at us in the eyes and said, I hope so soon. She has lived all her life. She has seen all the things in the world. And her greatest hope is I am ready to be reunited with Jesus. He is my greatest hope and he is my greatest joy. I talked to her yesterday. Julia, I'm using you as my sermon illustration for Case for Hope. And Julia said, Jen, please use it. I hope to see Jesus face to face soon. Church, even the, if Jesus truly rose from the dead, even the death doesn't have grip over us because resurrected Jesus overturns death. Do you have this unfailing hope in him today? Second, resurrected Jesus overturns our grief. Read verse 11, what happens there? Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And then she dialogues with the angel of the Lord. And verse 15, he asked her, Jesus, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was just a gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Now Jesus opens her eyes. Mary did not recognize who Jesus was. Jesus said to her, called her by her personal name, Mary. With that, Mary realized who Jesus is. She cries out Aramaic in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, and she just hugs him. Now, who is Mary Magdalene that we are talking about here? Mary Magdalene stood at the foot of the cross, witnessed Jesus' crucifixion. But even before that, in Luke chapter 8, 2, it says that Mary Magdalene has been demon-possessed. But it is most likely Jesus himself who cast out the demon in her. So Mary has the first-hand account of the power of Jesus, which transformed her life completely. Jesus trans transformed her life upside down. And yet, why is she grieving today? After even witnessing the power of Jesus, is Mary here looking for resurrected Jesus? No, she's looking for a dead Jesus. What does Mary say? Woman, why are you crying? Why are you filled with grief? And marriage saying, uh, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. I will get him. Even Mary, after witnessing this greatest miracle, nobody thinks that Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus, when she calls her by name, Mary, her eyes are open and immediately recognize, this is my Savior and Lord Jesus. And she just clings onto Jesus, hold him right away. And Matthew 28 writes that after all this, this woman went out afraid of what happened, but with great joy telling disciples, it says, So the woman hurried away from the tomb afraid and yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Through Jesus' resurrection, he overturned Mary's grief into joy. Church, Mary came in thinking Jesus was just the gardener in this garden. If you remember the first garden, the garden of life, where Adam and Eve lived, it was supposed to be the garden of life. But our sin made the garden of life into a garden of death. But here Mary comes into the second garden, which was supposed to be the tomb drawer, the garden of death. But resurrected Jesus makes the garden of death to a garden of life. 
and resurrected Jesus overturns Mary's grief into joy. Why don't we want that? Perhaps for some of us, grief, anxiousness, worries, despair, depression is not just something that we talk about, but you feel that daily. You resonate with the psalmist as the psalmist says, darkness is my only friend. I have no hope. I don't even know how I can make through each day. God, this is so hard. You say, why? Why God? But do you know crucified Jesus cried out the same thing? He cried out, why? Why, God, have you forsaken me? And do you realize that Jesus absorbed all darkness at the cross? And that Jesus who understands your grief and sorrow, your anxiousness, your trials, you say, oh, God, how long? He knows it, and yet he conquered the death and rose from the dead. And if he really rose from the dead, overturns the garden of death into the garden of life, overturns marriage grief into joy, you have reason to hope today. Church, the grief, the mourning might tarry. Darkness might tarry for the night. Darkness might tarry on a good Friday. But on Easter day, the joy comes in the morning. Resurrection is not just hope for the future, but hope very from the future to your present strength. Do you have this kind of hope in Jesus today, church? I don't know whether some of you guys have seen the greatest, highest grossing film of all time, Avengers Endgame. (laughs) At the end of Avengers, everything that was lost, it's all restored. All the people we thought was lost, restored. And everyone's clapping, cheering, yes! This is the greatest things ever. Why people resonate with that? Because we want that. We want that grief to turn into joy. And Jesus overturns Mary's grief into joy as she realized that this is not a dead Jesus, but our Savior is risen and he is alive. See, as much as you look at crucified Savior Jesus, will you also look at resurrected Jesus, King the Victor, who secured your hope for you? See, church, here is the gospel according to the Lord of the Rings. In the last book, Return of the King, the final battle is over. The battle has been won. But Sam Gamzee thought they are not going to make it out of exhaustion. They thought Gandalf was dead. So he passed out. He thought he was dead. But when he wakes up, he realized that everything's restored and Gandalf is still alive. This is what Sam Gamzee says. And this is what I want. Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? A great shadow has departed, said Gandalf. And then he laughed. And the sound was like music or water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard the laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. It fell upon his ears like the echo of all the joys he had ever known. I want that. Church, because Jesus is risen one day, everything sad is going to come untrue. There will be days that all we know is joys. All we know is the merriment days upon days. 
the echo of all the joys, we will hear that forever and evermore. Because Jesus has conquered the death. He overturns death. He overturns our grief. And when he comes back once again, all we know is that everything sad has come untrue. And all we know is the glorious hope. Don't you want this kind of hope? I don't think I can live today without that hope. The resurrection hope is not just hope for the future, but that very hope from the future for present sorrow and grief. Where is your hope at today, this morning, Chelton? Where is your hope? What is the basis of your hope? Now that we have witnessed how Jesus, resurrected Jesus, overturns death, how the resurrected Jesus overturns grief, now what are you going to do about it? Third, Resurrected Jesus overturns our life. Read verse 17. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Here, Jesus is telling Mary, don't just hold on to me. Some other translation translates that, don't just touch me. Some other translation puts me, don't cling on to me. Why is Jesus saying that? Does Jesus also live in COVID world? Oh, don't touch me, six feet. Or is Jesus germophobic? Oh, don't touch me. I, I got to wash my hands right now. No, 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 no. If you read the gospel account, there are many places where Jesus allows others to touch him. It's not that Jesus is living in a COVID world or not that Jesus is germophobic, that Jesus is not telling, do not just hold on to me. But Mary, you have seen me, how I overturn death. You have seen me, the resurrected Savior. You have seen me, how I overturn your grief into joy. Now you have a new life to live. Before I ascend to the Father, time is short. Go tell disciple about this glorious hope you have that you have seen the risen Savior. Go and tell them. So Mary goes and tell others, I have seen the Lord. And she does that with great joy, as Matthew 28 said, that afraid and yet filled with great joy. So church, what is Jesus telling Mary and what is Jesus telling us? We have seen the risen Savior. Now life no longer is us to live for ourselves. Life no longer is just for me. Now that we have seen the risen Savior, it is our job to share that hope. So don't hoard hope, but share hope. If you have seen that risen Savior church today, life is no longer yours to live for yourself. Jesus, resurrected Jesus, overturns your life. You have new mission to tell others about this resurrected Savior. Don't hoard hope, but share hope today. See, if you are searching for this hope today, maybe you are searching for the meaning of life. What is this life all about? I thought life is all about me. No, resurrected Jesus turns everything upside down of your life. What about you, church? What is the basis for your hope? Would you replace your hope in resurrected Savior and share that hope with others? Back in March, just last month, I read a New York Times article, opinion section. The title caught my attention, so I read it. The title was The, the Empty Religion of Instagram. Now, I'm about to read it, but I'm not reading it as a criticism of Instagram or technology. Bear in mind, but I am asking you to consider what is your Instagram? What is your technology? Bear that in mind as I read her testimony here. This was written in March, Leistein. She likes this. 
I have survived the pandemic by performing the role of tough cookie and shielding myself with cynicism. I have hardly prayed to God since I was a teenager, but the pandemic has cracked open inside me a profound yearning for reverence, humility, and awe. I have an overdraft on my outrage account. The whole economy of Instagram is based on our thinking about ourselves, posting about ourselves, working on ourselves. I find myself craving role models who are not only a righteous crusader, but also humble and merciful, and that I'm not finding them where I live online. We are looking for guidance in the wrong places. Instead of helping us to engage with our most important question, our screens might be distracting us from them. Maybe we actually need to go something like church. Contrary to what you might have seen on Instagram, our purpose is not to optimize our one wild and precious life. It's time to search for meaning. What is the one thing that you're desperately trying to find a meaning of life from? Is that perhaps your security deposit, your wealth or retirement account? Is that perhaps your physical health? What are you going to do when that is destroyed? As great of hope that was to hope in the day of liberation, when it came, it failed to deliver. Many of them fell in depression and even some committed suicide. What is the basis of your hope? She writes, we, our life purpose is not to optimize our one and precious life. It's time to search for meaning. And we are saying that if Jesus truly rose from the dead, he deserves all your hope in him. And his hope will never fail you or forsake you. Our hope has been resurrected and restored, and it is a good thing. Where is your hope today? We saw how Jesus overturned death. These three women were the first witness of this greatest miracle of all time. It's the eyewitness account. Jesus really rose from the dead. And that very Jesus calls Mary by name. Mary, I know you. I know you love me. Now, see me for who I am. I'm no longer a dead Savior. I'm a risen Savior. And share this hope with others today. You have this glorious hope. Don't just hoard it but share it. Church, hope is a wonderful thing. Do you have this hope today? That you have seen the risen Savior. Do you have this hope, unfailing hope? I'll end with this. According to IMDb, Internet Movie Database, the highest rated movie of all time is Shawshank Redemption. Perhaps some of you have seen that, some of you have not seen that. In the movie, the main protagonist, Andy Dufresne, is falsely imprisoned. But while he's imprisoned, he still has this unquenchable hope within him. And he meets his best friend, Red, played by brilliant Morgan Freeman. But Red is extremely cynic. He's been wanting to be paroled from this prison for the longest time, but kept got denied. So his hope has been crushed. So one day, Andy and Red is having lunch together. As Andy is sharing about this hope he has... Red looks at him straight in the eyes and says this, hmm, let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on your side. How about that? Talking about cynic, cynical. As the time goes on, Andy Dufresne decides to escape the prison. But before he escapes, he tells his best friend, Red, Red, if you ever get out of prison, 
please go find this treasure that I hid for you. I have something prepared for you. Andy escapes and read after being denied of parole year after year, finally he gets out of prison to parole. But the new life, what he's used to do is prison. He's not used to his normal life. So he gets so depressed and he's about to commit suicide. There's no hope. I'm not going to make it. But then he remembers the words of Andy. Okay, before I even do anything, let me go find this treasure box. He goes on and finds the treasure that Andy has hidden. When he opens that box, there is some money that Andy hid it for Red. And this is what Andy said to Red in the letter. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. Charlton, if Jesus really rose from the dead, hope is a good thing. Maybe one of the best things and no good thing ever dies. And he's alive. Our king is interceding for you. So will you hope in him today? Will you look at crucified and risen Savior today and hope in him? He overturns your death, grief, and life. You have a new life to live for Christ because Jesus has conquered the death. Do you know him? Let's pray together. God, we look to you, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who overturns our fear for death, the one who overturns our grief. God, I long for the day when everything said will truly come untrue. God, we have this glorious hope Oh, Lord, may you rekindle our desire within us. Bring that embers to flame. And may we be the continually the hopeful creature in you. Because apart from you, we don't know where we would be. Oh, God, thank you. On this day, you have conquered the grave. And we hope in you today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Now, on this day, we want to celebrate the Lord's table together. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know that he has conquered death, if you have this glorious hope in him that Jesus paid this penalty of sins for you, we invite you to participate in this communion, the Lord's table, as a family of God. And for those of you who are searching for this hope, is Jesus really my hope? I pray that rather than partaking in communion, I pray that you consider that first and foremost. Consider that Jesus, whether really died for you, whether he is really your hope. And I pray that he will find you. So in a moment, I'm going to give you a minute or two to pray in silence. For those of you who know Jesus Christ as your Savior, reflect on this glorious hope you have in Christ. For those who are searching, would you consider resurrected Savior? If he really rose from the dead and you can put all your hope in him, that hope will not disappoint you and fail you. Let's bow our head and pray in silence for a minute. And after that, I'll preside over the table.
Oh God, prepare our hearts and mind as we partake in your life, death, and resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, family of God, would you peel the top of the first layer and hold bread together? We will partake together just in a moment. On a night, our Lord and Savior Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And also, in the same manner, he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he said, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's peel it together. And let's drink. Let's pray together. Oh God, you became the incarnate. You took the form of a flesh. You came down. You lived. You died, and now you are a risen Savior. You have conquered the death and rose from the dead. In Jesus, we hope. And every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, it says we proclaim Christ's death until he comes again. So, Lord, we have this resurrection hope because, Jesus, you have resurrected. Oh, God, would you rekindle hope within us? May we, our lives, be marked by sharing this glorious hope we have in Jesus. And we pray for those who are still searching for hope in Jesus. Oh God, just like you have opened Mary's eyes by calling her name Mary. For those who meditate in the meaning of what communion is all about, who are just thinking about hope in Jesus, would you open their eyes? Lord, we do pray that we want to share this glory of hope with one another. And may, O oh Lord, you do the work only you can do, save sinners and restore hope within us. In your precious name we pray, amen.